This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The best is yet to come. All right, everybody. What is going on out there? How you doing? Episode 258, future award-winning Talk About Full podcast, presented by Sounds Assured. I'm going to have my buddy, recurring guest, Aaron Quinn from the Cover One Buffalo podcast. He's going to join me just a minute here. Got a hodgepodge of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, We're also going to do a fun little exercise involving Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who of course is off to... Just an absolutely ridiculous start to the 2020 NFL season. We're going to examine where we think Josh Allen is on the present and future totem pole of NFL quarterbacks. And this is how we're going to get there. We're going to we're going to paint a hypothetical here, a fantasy scenario, so to speak, where Aaron and I are GMs of an expansion NFL franchise. Uh, Roger Goodell, he's going to permit us to take any quarterback we want from any team in the NFL. Nobody can protect their quarterback, and we have our pick of the litter. So we're going to make a big board, and the quarterback that we take is going to be both for the present and the future of that imaginary expansion franchise. So we'll come up with a place where we would draft him, where he would fall on our big board. Certainly it'll make for a fun discussion Perhaps a little bit surprising as well. Uh, We'll also talk LA Lakers looking like a championship lock. In fact, it's not a matter of if they're going to win. It's a matter of who's going to win finals MVP, LeBron or Anthony Davis. That's the only interesting thing going on. It seems anyway that it will be uh, with that series. We'll talk Yanks versus Rays. That's coming up. Baseball playoffs round two on Monday. Uh, Summertime versus fall. I asked Aaron, what does he prefer? Is it summertime or is fall elite? Pretty interesting answer from him. I got some pretty blunt presidential debate takes. I'll tell you, at this point, I'm pretty much done just being quiet. Yeah, I got some thoughts. So that tons more coming up with my man, Aaron Quinn, in just a minute. After that, I'm also going to have my Pat's Pick segment. I do that weekly Fridays now on the podcast where I pick Every NFL game against the point spread, except for Thursday night games. And I've been keeping a running total for the season. Struggle last week a little bit, seven and eight, but overall still doing good. 10 games over, 27, 17 and one through three weeks. So I have those picks for you. Uh, just a few minutes. First off, I got to let you know that today's show is being supported by Sound Assured. So it seems that everyone has a podcast out there today. I listen to a ton of them myself. And the biggest mistake that I hear, I can almost instantly tell every time many people have a show make this mistake. You go out, you spend all your money on these fancy microphones and these boom arms and 
nice interfaces, recording devices and such. But the problem is you get all this stuff, you don't treat your actual recording environment. I'm talking about, of course, mainly the walls and the ceilings and the result, the audio pretty much sounds like crap. Look, you need to invest in acoustic treatments that make the gear that you have thrive. Sounds assured is top-notch acoustic foam. I know this because some of my own home studio here has wedges that are outfitted from Sounds Assured. It's available in multiple sizes, very reasonably priced, and most importantly, really good quality. You can get cheaper stuff on Amazon, but trust me when I tell you, because I've done it. You get what you pay for when it comes to sound treatment. So again, folks, invest in your audio the right way. Visit SoundsAssured.com. Give them a call. Someone will be happy to discuss your needs with you. Uh, Do yourself. Do your production a very big favor. Check out soundsassured.com. All right, let's get this going. Here it is, my chat with Cover One Buffalo's Aaron Quinn. Aaron Quinn, Cover One Buffalo podcast. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's happening, my man? You're you're lucky I had you on with some of your takes today. But then I, I came on. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Before, let me tell you what. Let's start. I want to ask you a question. I had Joe Yurden, former Buffalo Sabres beat reporter on from The Athletic on Tuesday's show. I asked him this question, and it's going to kind of lead into what I'm going to get into in a second. You just hinted at it. What would you say to you is is your favorite weather? Is it, are you one of those fall is elite kind of guys? Or are you one of those, I love summertime the most? Because again, fall, the the leaves are falling. It's comfortable out. Light hoodie weather. Very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Summertime, you're at the canal with your kids, your girl, whatever it may be. You're watching people paddle boat. Go out, do whatever you want. Obviously, it's shorts and t-shirt season. Like, you're you yourself. Like, what's your pick? What's your preference? Because when it comes to Buffalo, I mean, it's very diverse. People have very different takes on it. What's yours? I do love fall. A big, big fan. It gets a little cold. In the fall, it gets a little past the comfortable hoodie and shorts weather uh, and it happens mm-hmm. pretty quick. So it's not all a fall that I like for me, man, like anything over 80 is too much. I, I start yeah. sweating. I'm uncomfortable. It's too much for me to be outside for long periods of time. I hate sweating. Uh, I'd rather be a little chilly than a little hot. So my perfect is like right before fall, uh, Buffalo, late August, it starts to hit like 70 degrees consistently, 70, 75, doesn't get to 80. Sun's still out. You're getting the warmth from the sun, but there's a little chill to the air. That to me is just the bee's knees. And soon here in Buffalo, as you creep towards Halloween here, it does start to get a little, there's been some Halloweens where you're bundled up underneath the, you know, the kids' costumes and stuff. And it's just a little too cold. So I do believe the fall is elite uh, stuff, but it's really the early fall is elite. Okay. Well, that's fair. And you hinted at this. I tweeted something, which I mean, look, in fairness, I knew, and I also put it on Facebook as well, that it was not going to be received well, especially in Buffalo. I said unpopular opinion. I mean, I literally prefaced it. I said that I, I hate October. We're taping this October 1st. So it's officially October kind of in part because of what you just said, but also beyond that. And and again, I knew I was going to get killed for this, but I hate Halloween for starters, bro. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe when I was a kid, I, I I don't remember well, but I'm pretty sure I got my bag snatched from me by bigger <laughs> kids. And I think that set off a, a lifelong hatred of Halloween. So I hate Halloween. Uh, I loved I it as re- a kid, but I can't stand it now. Oh, Jesus. 
You know, and that's another reason why too. I hate people that are getting, if you're over 11 or 12 years old and you're still getting dressed up for Halloween, in my opinion, you got some issues. Oh, Again. dude, uh, <laughs> like two years ago, we had a lady with kids come up with a bag all dressed up, like just, and it was like trick or treat with a bag open. And I, I was like, nah, lady, that ain't happening. That's against the rules. You can't do that. Or people that like really early decorate their houses for Halloween. Like if you do yeah. it, whatever, more power to you. People can celebrate the way they want. But I'm a Christmas guy. Uh, and for me and our house, Christmas movies start on Halloween night. Like that's when the season starts for us, which is probably a little weird for people. But I, I bypass Halloween entirely. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a little early. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm a Christmas guy too for many reasons. But I, again, I'm not a Halloween guy. I don't like adults getting dressed up and going to parties or going to work in costumes. I think that's stupid. And I know I'm that old guy. My boy, Bruce Nolan said, I'm the angry old guy already. He was making a JPEG, making fun of me of it. I'm good with that. But yeah, if you're an adult man dressing up for parties and going to work as whatever it is that you are to me, it's dumb. And if you're a 16 year old kid walking around in your high school football Jersey with a pillowcase, get it together, <laughs> you know, get it together, man. This is Halloween is a kid's holiday. Your kids, maybe a little bit older until they get to 11, 12 after that. No. So I hate Halloween. I hate horror movies, which I know most people yeah, like. I, I like never either. liked them. I've always hated Jason Voorhees. I hate Michael Myers. I hate Freddy Krueger. Those movies scare the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, I don't like being scared did. at all. Yeah, I hate, why, why does anybody want to be scared? I mean, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people do want to be scared. People love it, yeah. Yeah, never worked for me. So I don't like any of that. And then you mentioned the weather. That's how it is. And that's what I hate most about October. Right now it's October 1st and I'm obviously, I'm not in Buffalo right now, but I'm sure it's fairly comfortable. I heard it was hailing out earlier actually, or something like that. But generally speaking, beginning of October, it's comfortable. Yeah. That elite fall weather that you speak of, you can have a light hoodie on it and be comfortable, man. Sweats. It feels great. You said it, man. By the end of the month, ain't comfortable no more in October. It's usually straight up cold. Yeah. Because this is the one month where you go from starting out at the beginning of the month being comfortable to being cold at the end of the month. January, February, usually even March, you're cold the whole entire month. Yeah. August, July, you're warm the entire month. October, you start out nice and comfortable. And by the end, it's freaking cold out. And I remember a couple of times too. I mean, my kid's older now, but when he was a kid, I remember going trick-or-treating. And it seemed like every Halloween in Buffalo, at least anyway, Freezing my ass off. And you talked about it, having to put clothes on underneath the costumes, walking around shivering while we're taking our kids out. Hate Halloween. I mean, I hate Halloween and I hate October. I said February is the only month to me that's worse. Um, but yeah, yeah February is terrible. It. Well, Especially a lot of Buffalo. people don't, a lot of people don't agree with me because I got lambasted big yeah, time on the night. I do like though, like, one of my favorite things about even late September, all of September, September is the best month in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not even close, but, uh, and even in the fall is like Sunday morning. It's a little crazy. You get up early. It's a little crisp. You can have a coffee with a hoodie out there and then it warms up as the day goes on. It just feels like football is supposed to feel. Yeah. And I, I feel like people that don't live in the Northeast, like can't associate that to that. And I kind of feel bad. Like, that is like the seasons coming in and that, that is the start of football season. Like you get those few mornings before football season starts up and you're like, okay, football's coming. Like, cause it's starting to get crisp in the morning and then the sun warms everything up and you're, you're going to have some good football weather. Uh, so for me that it just is an instant, like nostalgia reminder of 
early football and the bills always pretty much play good in September, October. So it's exciting times and and those memories all kind of come back up. So it's a nostalgia thing a little bit for me as well. Yeah, I agree. I would put September, it would be a contender for number one for me. Reasons you just said. Um, Also, if you got kids and they're old enough, they they go to school in September, at least up North down here, they go in August, but up North in Western New York, they go to school in September. They're a pain in the ass over the summer. Yeah. You'll know as your kids get older I've at some heard, point. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, you can't get rid of them fast enough in September. <laughs> you're ready to go on and celebrate. So yeah, that reason football, just uh, the change in weather itself is really nice. I just October ends up like I said, starting all comfortable and at the end getting extreme. So that Halloween piss off to all that. Sorry out there, so everyone out there don't like it. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to a couple other things I got here in my notes because we are going to talk Buffalo Bills today, but. We're not going to review last week's game. That's old news. We're not going to preview this game because if we're going to do that, you know what? Go listen to you and Greg on Cover One Buffalo. You guys do a way better job Appreciate than I'll be able man. to do. What we are going to do is an exercise. And just to, I talked about this a little bit in the intro. We're going to play, or at least you're going to play anyway, NFL Expansion GM. And I'm going to task you with putting Josh Allen on your big board. If the rules were that you could take a quarterback from any team in the NFL, because every team's quarterback right now is unprotected. You can take whoever you want. I want to find out where you would put Josh Allen. And so we're clear, that's not to win a football game this coming Sunday. That's for this football season, season beyond that, the one beyond that. So it's for the present and the future. We'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Before that, though, that's the present and the future. Let's talk a few minutes about the past. I showed you an article today. We both read it. Uh, Tim Grant from The Athletic wrote a, a recount of the Buffalo Bills on February 10th, 2000. God, it's such a long time ago, man. Anyway, the story was a, a recount of the Bills cutting Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, and Thurman Thomas quite literally on the same day. Mm-hmm. Three Hall of Famers got cut on the same exact day. Now, a lot of younger fans... And maybe some older ones who just simply forgot. Don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a day of infamy in Buffalo Bills history. How about could, that one? Dude, could you imagine if Twitter was around yeah. then? Like, could you imagine what the climate of Twitter today and how fans are with each other if that happened? I mean, burn to the ground. We might shut Twitter down if that happened. <laughs> it is absolutely nuts. Now, we were I was reading some details. And again, Tim always writes great pieces for the athletic for for anyone he writes for any team saved $5 million. So it was mostly obviously salary cap related at the time, but just think about in 2000 cutting three guys like that only saved them about 5 million in cap space. But as he wrote, it allowed for them to help keep Ted Washington, Pat Williams, Ruben Brown, Jay Remersma, and, uh, some others. So, I mean, there's just so many nuggets to unpick from the story, which I said, we both read on, on Thursday, uh, <laughs> all different stories too. Like with Bruce Smith, and I don't know how well you, you remember this, but like Bruce Smith, it was a business decision. He right. would not restructure his deal. He was getting paid four and a half million and the bills wanted him to take a pay cut, go down to 2.2. He said no. And he got cut. He ended up going to the Redskins and he was still good. Of those three, he was the one player who was still good. He had 10 sacks his first year with Washington and 29 um, in his four years with them. Finished his career, of course, with 200. Now, here's something. And I don't know if you can remember this well or if at all. 
because I, I sort of do and I sort of don't. Andre Reed was different. He wanted out. It wasn't really so much about money. And he was very vocal about it too. And the story that Tim wrote, which I didn't even know this, to be honest with you, wasn't even speaking to Doug Flutie. He was the quarterback at the time or the offensive coordinator, Joe Pendry. Uh, Kevin Williams went ahead of him on the depth chart. So it was Molds, Price, and Kevin Williams. I almost forgot Andre Reed was even on that team. I almost forgot Kevin that? Williams was on that team. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, and I did forget about Andre Reed a little bit. And that one was, that's a tough one. I love Andre Reed, obviously. Um, but that one was probably a really good decision by the Bills to move on because he obviously was disgruntled behind the scenes, which I don't ever remember hearing. Uh, I know Tim talked about a blog that he had wrote on, and I don't remember remember that part of the internet, I guess, uh, back then. But uh, his production fell off, right? And Fell off a cliff, yeah. Fell off a cliff. And it wasn't necessarily the Bills didn't give him an opportunity because as Tim pointed out in the article, when he did finally get a chance to go back with the Redskins, he wasn't particularly productive then either. And that was it. That was a wrap. And I think it's super hard when you have these guys that are Hall of Fame, potential Hall of Famers at the time, uh, you know, had been multiple Super Bowls. They're a big part of the the team. Their ego is telling them that they deserve the respect, but the game has passed them by. And sure. it's probably hard to have that conversation with a guy or for him to just see guys that, you know, in his mind, he thinks they're better but you know, he's not helping the team. So that's got to be a tough part of the business for, you know, the front office people and coaches to kind of handle these massive egos and, you know, Hey, you're not the guy that you once were. I can't imagine the types of conversations and uncomfortable feelings that must've been happening. And it's kind of same for Thurman Thomas, right? Like Thurman was also falling off a cliff pretty hard there at that point in his career too. Bruce was really the only still productive NFL player of the three. Yeah, for sure. Andre Reed, and I do remember him being very vocal about wanting to get out. I do remember that pretty well. But yeah, you're right, 100%. He was washed. Yeah. I mean, at that point, a Hall of Famer, I'm not taking away from his career. He was a legend, but he went to Denver. And I remember this too. Tim wrote about it. By the end of Denver's training camp, he, he asked to get cut. He knew yeah. he had no role in that team. And then he ended up going to Redskins, only had a couple catches, and he was done after that. You mentioned Thurman. Now, Tim wrote about Thurman being surprised and angry about getting cut. Right. Um, he never got a phone call from Ralph Wilson. He was upset about that. In fact, Tim wrote that he found out about it while watching ESPN on the ticker. Yeah, we haven't heard Thurman that story. Thomas, yeah. That's messed up, man. That's it an is. NFL Hall of Famer, and you find out that you got cut on an ESPN ticker? Yeah, it's not a good look for the deceased Ralph Wilson now and uh, the GM at the time, Butler, none of that's a good look for anybody in the bills organization at the time. But at the same time, I do think, you know, Thurman talked about wanting to go out like uh, Bruce and Ken Hall went or uh, like Jim Kelly and Ken Hall went out, you know, kind of on their own terms. Well, if that's the case, man, you should have seen the writing on the wall in your lack of productivity and, you know, Antoine Smith, taking your job and Jonathan Lennon Lennon, yeah taking your job like so call it you know at the end of the year say I'm done and then you go out on your own terms he again I think ego got in the way of you know how productive he once was didn't allow him to see that this was over your career was over he went to Miami and it wasn't super great for him there uh he definitely didn't get back at the bills in any way they ended up looking smart for moving on from him and luckily the relationship has mended over time and obviously Thurman's a great part of the community and part of the bills to this day but uh, i think that could have all been avoided all that uncomfortable even though i think the bills were wrong 
you know, per, from what all the articles say and what he said in the past. Uh, but I think it could have been avoided if he just hung him up uh, and retired a bill then. Yeah. And he's admitted it many times. I'm not talking about this article being the first time, but Thurman has said it over the years. It was a personal decision to go to Miami. He wanted revenge on Buffalo for cutting him. Didn't work out that way. He only played like, I think like right. eight or nine games, hurt his knee, and then his career was over. I think the moral of the story is this with this team. And by the way, after those guys left, of course, the Bills went on to miss playoffs for the next 17 years. But anyway, we, we always speak better of people once they're gone. And with Ralph Wilson, it's hard to say anything bad about him because he wanted this team to stay in Buffalo and he made sure that happened. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. He deserves a lot of credit for a lot of things. But he was also known when he was alive as a meddling owner, not the most personable owner. And I've heard many stories about players who, frankly, at that time, didn't really like him. And he did not treat even his star players that great. I mean, again, particularly Reed and Thurman, they had personal problems with the organization. Bruce was all about money and all about business. So that was a, a financial thing. If they kept Bruce, they wouldn't have been able to keep a lot of the guys that I mentioned a few minutes ago. But it's, Yeah, and in hindsight, right, like not making the playoffs for 17 years looks bad, but those teams weren't, it's not that they weren't playoff caliber teams on the roster, right? Like there was a ton of talent right after those guys left. They just, they just kind of ran into mismanagement, bad coaching, just the number of things went poorly and then the roster started to fall apart uh, after yeah. that. But that was a playoff team still. And they, I understand the move to try to keep some of the younger talent that you had, like the Ruben Browns and Ted Washington and stuff like that, because it was a good young talent team. They probably thought they were, you know, going to still be in the playoffs for a few years. Yeah, no question about it. And again, at the end of the day, Ralph Wilson on a personal level, yeah, he got a lot of criticism and a lot of it's deserved. Because again, somebody like Thurman Thomas, no matter what, should not find out that he's getting cut on an ESPN ticker. You know what I'm saying? Totally. But football-wise, two to three moves were great decisions because Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas, two of the greatest Buffalo Bills ever, two Cannon Hall, NFL Hall of Famers, they were washed. Yep. Bruce Smith wasn't. He still had a lot left. Yeah. He showed that in Washington. He was good. But again, at his price, he didn't want to take a pay cut. Yeah. So... Is what it is. But anyway, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It's a, it's a really good read from uh Yeah, Tim's the best. Yeah. Tuesday night. Now, I, I'm pretty sure I saw on Facebook that you didn't. But I'm going I'm to ask you just to confirm, because we haven't talked before we started taping this. The debate. Yeah. The United States of America. If that's what you want to call this thing, a presidential debate on Tuesday. You did not watch it, correct? I did not know. We were doing mm-hmm. our live show with uh, JT the Brick, which was a really cool time. And then, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And so then when I came out, my wife was watching in the living room and I just looked at her and shook my head and went upstairs and read a book. <laughs> I, I can't do it, man. Uh, well, let me tell you this. Man. I saw some I, clips. It's un- unavoidable, obviously. There's a lot of clips wish, over the last. Yeah. I wish I would have watched your live show on Tuesday night instead of seeing what I saw because. I wrote about it on Facebook afterwards. I try really hard to not put any stuff on Twitter about politics because that's kind of like my Talking Buffalo podcast <laughs> promotional stuff. And nobody really wants to hear for the most part about what I think about politics. Nobody really gives a shit. But unfortunately, for the next minute and a half or so, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway because I, I can't help myself. First of all, the, the loser was neither party. It was everybody. The United States was the loser because that was just disgraceful. It was embarrassing. The whole world's watching. And we got two men vying for 
the most important position in this country, if not the world. It, and it was a petty calf fight. It was, it was just absolutely embarrassing. And I'm going to say something, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. Again, I've tried really hard during this process to, to not have personal takes. And you know how it is, Aaron, man. I mean, you and Greg talk bills. If you get on your show and you love Donald Trump, you're going to lose a lot of listeners. Sure. If you get on, if you get on your show and you hate Donald Trump, you're going to lose listeners. It's yeah. just the way it goes. So I try really hard, but I, I can't help this. I got to say this. If there was one takeaway from that debate, it's not even something you could discuss anymore. Donald Trump is a racist. Okay. He's a racist. There's no more debating. There's no more saying, uh, you know, he's careful with what he says, but this and that Donald Trump is a racist. And what he said with the proud boys and shit, it made me sick. He had multiple opportunities to denounce white supremacists multiple times and he didn't do it. I don't want to hear any excuses. Donald Trump is a racist. It can't be debated anymore. And if you're a Donald Trump fan, it does not mean that you're a racist. Okay. I know many Donald Trump fans, especially down here in Florida, by the way, this is Donald Trump country, at least in the part of Florida where I live. They're good people. I don't think they're racist, but what this shows me after you see something like that, if you're a Donald Trump supporter right now, you might not be a racist, but it does to me. It means racism is not a deal breaker to you then. You know what I'm saying? You had, without asking for your personal opinion on politics, if you're still a Donald Trump fan after things that he says, you might not be a racist. In fact, you very well might not be a racist, but Racism ain't no deal breaker for you because I don't understand otherwise how anyone will support him at this point. Yeah, man. Sorry. I got to share with you an article. I don't remember the guy's name, but essentially it was an article. Basically, it was the last time around and it was saying like, look, I'm not going to hold it against you for being a supporter of this person. Like, I get it. People have different sides, different issues that are their issues. But if you listen to these and he pointed out a number of examples of things he said, and you've decided that you're okay with that, then when he acts in those ways, you need to either come out against it or I think you're complicit, right? Like, I'm not going to assume that you're this or assume that you're okay with these things. But then after he's elected, when you do these things, if you don't speak out and you remain quiet, then I'm going to just assume you're complicit. Uh, But if you do speak out, then, you know, I can understand how you can still maybe support some of things, but you speak out against other things. So I think that will, I'll, I'll try to find the article and share it with you. But yeah, that stood out to me uh, as well. I did see that highlight. Um, and that's sad to me because that should be a really easy thing, uh, in my opinion, at this right. day and age to just say, no, you know, screw those, screw anyone that thinks that way. That's not what any of this is all about. And uh, he kind of looks stumped. Um, so a pretty sad moment there, a sad clip and kind of glad that I, didn't watch, but glad I caught that because I think that was probably an important part of history to have seen. To Donald Trump's credit, and I am legitimately giving him credit for this, he has managed to make, with the red, white, and blue in America, he has managed to make himself to many, many people, the symbolism, the representative of what Americana is. You know what I mean? Red, white, and blue, waving the flag around, patriot, proud to be an American. To his credit, Donald Trump has managed somehow to make people who, you know, say how much they love this country be a Donald Trump guy. It's it's incredible. 
And look, man, the, the racism, it bothers me. And again, I want to say this one more time, just so we're clear. If you're out listening to this right now, I haven't turned off because I'm, I'm ranting about Donald Trump. I, I get it. I'm not saying that you're a racist because you're a Donald Trump fan. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying if you are a Donald Trump fan after what we saw Tuesday and seen many times before that, I'm just saying racism ain't a deal breaker than you. That's all I'm saying. Nothing more, nothing less. As for, you know, I have a problem with his campaign going out these super spreader rallies. And it got ugly Tuesday and he said Biden doesn't have him because people don't care about him. It's like, you're the leader of the country. Aaron, you and some of your friends can't get together right now. You can't go to certain bars. You cannot go enjoy Buffalo Bills game if you want to right now. Right. You know, you can't put 5,000 people at Bills Stadium. But you can put thousands of people packed together, many with no mask, at the city after city after city. And he's proud of it. How is that leadership, man? What are we trying to accomplish here? So I got a problem with that. But, you know, I also, I get it, like the debate too. I mean, Trump has to ugly it up. It, it, it has to be personal. He's not going to win on the issues. He's not going to win on how he's handled COVID. So again, you can hate on Donald Trump, but at the end of the day, he, he's kind of smart as much as I hate to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And here's the thing. And I talked to a lot of people about this. Uh, he's not losing the base no matter what he does right so right. It, it frustrates a lot of people i think uh that's kind of why i stay away from it nowadays because my frustration with any of it isn't going to change the base uh, right point, it's not going to change anybody's opinion uh it's just gonna get me frustrated and i don't know what good that does uh it doesn't do any good for me personally and my health you know it just gets me stressed out so uh i do think he's got he's figured out something with the way the media works uh and and how his base reacts to him. And so, yeah, I think that's smart. I think that's intelligent that he's figured that out. I don't know that I particularly like it or what the level of intelligence that is, but yeah, it's something for sure. Well, I mean, look, the, and the biggest thing he has going for him is who he's running against Joe Biden. I mean, it's just not a very inspiring candidate. He's just not, you know, he's a, in fact, Joe Biden is a lifelong Washington politician. He's the kind of guy they put Donald Trump in the White House in the first place in 2016. It's kind of been like a perfect storm for him. But anyway, that aside, and I, I trust me, I promise you guys, I want to talk sports, but I do want to ask you one more question because then we ain't talking no more politics after the election, all right? Forget about who you want. I think we know who you're going to vote for or actually you have already have voted for, but I don't care about that. What I want to ask you is whether it's November 3rd, 4th, 5th, whenever it may be, when this shit is all said and done, who do you think is going to end up winning the election? Oh, geez. Uh, I honestly I know don't know, man. I do. I think it's going to be the thing I so I land, you know, I'm, I don't love going politics, but I land pretty in the middle. I'm not a partisan. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. Me neither. Um, and so I, I don't have a side per se. I talk to a lot of people that are pretty strong on sides. And the one thing mm -hmm. I keep trying to tell them is because they keep telling me, you know, people that like love Trump tell me it's going to be Trump in a landslide and people that love Biden say there's no way he loses. And I'm telling them both that one, I think you all live in echo chambers where you just follow people on social media that agree with you. And so you think that that is how society actually is and that everybody's going to go vote for the guy that you like because that's all you see on social media. I don't think it's the case. I think it's going to be a really close election. I, I unfortunately I agree with Trump that there's going to probably he's been playing it up that there's going to be, you know, fraud and things like that. I think there will be some confusion uh, this year with everything going on. I think it'll go months after November. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be real close, but um, 
I think there's been a large push to register people to vote. And if those people that typically don't vote, the younger crowd, I think it'll be tough uh, when you look at the numbers of last election, how close things were and how if just a couple states flipped the other way. I do, I do think the Democrats, if the vote to register people seems to be more on the Democratic side, right? We know Republicans vote. They go out and vote. They're all already registered. So if there's this huge influx of registering voters that are going to actually participate, then I would think that the Democrats will get the upper hand. It's funny. You know what? I'm glad that I had this brief conversation with you and not Joe Buffalo wins on Twitter, my buddy, because that is one trigger, dude. I can't have a conversation with him about how he it would have turned into us swearing and screaming about 15 seconds after I started talking about it. I think, I think Donald Trump is going to be ahead on election night with in-person voting. And I think he's going to declare victory that night. And then I think his mailed in ballots, um, get counting more and more because it's not going to get decided on the first night. I don't think there's any way. I think eventually Joe Biden's going to win or at least end up having uh, more electoral votes after the mail-in ballots, but I think it's going to end up in the courts and it's going to be ugly. And what better fitting grand finale of 2020 would it be the way this year's went than for, say, Joe Biden to actually win the election, but Donald Trump somehow to end up staying in office? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, that would be like so 2020. What a grand finale that could end up being. Yeah, I do think either way, uh, there's going to be court. there's going to be a lot of people mad. It's going to go to court. Uh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of frustration. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can all keep our cool heads and not totally just destroy relationships and stuff. I think that's the the toughest thing uh, why I've gotten away from politics and uh, you know and being vocal about it until talking to you here is. Uh, I have people on all sides in my personal life and family. And I just, I don't want to destroy relationships over things right. that uh, really are totally out of my control. Sean McDermott talks about it all the time, right? Control the things that I can control. And right. uh, Washington DC and elections are just not something that I have control over. So I hate to get so worked up that it destroys real relationships. And I hope that that, you know, no matter how things go, people know that, you know, America's got a lot of resolve. To it. We got a lot of problems, but we have a lot of resolve. And I think that no matter what happens, I think that we can get through any of it without totally just going nuts and, and, and trying to hurt each other and destroy each other over it. That's a great point. And I'll tell you what, I think at the end of the day, people should be more focused, if anything, on the local yeah. government, because that's where you can really have more, you're more empowered to make change in the communities that you live in. For sure, man. That's a great point. All right, let's move on. Enough of that shit. Uh, LeBron haters out there. Speaking of angry people, they're getting ready to get angry because the Lakers just, dude, they destroyed Miami in game one. Yeah. 116-98. Game wasn't even that close either. I, look, I like Miami. I said on Facebook before the series that I thought the game was going to go seven or the series was going to go seven. I might not go five. <laughs> they're really good, the Lakers, right now. I think the real race is for MVP between LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think that's going to be the only drama. I just can't see Miami playing with this team after even after just one game. I usually don't want to react that much after one game, but come on, you know? Yeah, it wasn't pretty. It's uh, The thing that stinks the most is uh, for the NBA, all the work they've done to get the playoffs back. And it was a pretty fun playoffs, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of intrigue. It, you don't want to finish with a just flop of a final. So hopefully Miami gets it together. I said that the series would go six and the Lakers would win. Um so I, I could see Miami stealing a game and maybe pushing it five, but it doesn't look good for him right now. I, I just, I'm cheering for Miami. Not be, I am a LeBron hater, but that's not the reason uh, that I'm cheering for Miami. I like the way they built because I'm a Miami hater, man. I didn't like 
those Miami teams. I've, I, Dwayne Wade's fine, but I never really liked them. There's always been th- something about Miami, but I like the way they've built. I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. Uh, they they've got some homegrown talent. They've they're good. They've built similar to the the Spurs, the way the Spurs always built, where it's not household names, but guys playing their roles and up and coming young guys. I really like that kind of uh, team. So I, I'm cheering for them, but I don't think they're they're not going to be able to put up much of a fight. I don't think Anthony Davis is really the one that's too much, in my opinion. Obviously, LeBron's LeBron, but I think Jimmy and LeBron could go back and forth for a series, but they they don't have any answer for Anthony Davis. Man, he's just too dominant. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And I do like Miami too. I think they're they're going to be good for quite a while. Put it yeah. that way. Gordon Dragic is good. A Bam is good. You mentioned Jimmy Butler, Harold. They got a lot of talent on that team for sure. I just don't think right now they're ready. They're not quite ready for that. And I've you know how I am with NBA. I love freaking NBA. I've watched almost playoff games almost every night. I had no issues with the no fans and the pipe didn't sound until game one of the finals. That's where it felt flat for me. Like NBA finals are intense and the home crowd going nuts. Last night's game, we're taping this on Thursday. So game one was on Wednesday. It didn't do it for me, man. The intensity, that's the first time in the entire playoffs where I was like really saying to myself, this sucks that there's no fans there because that environment would have been lit up in LA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do think I said a, a really good friend of mine, big Celtics fan uh, back in Maine. We talk all the time and I noticed it in that Celtics Miami series because I really do think Boston in the playoffs is a nuts place to play. They love their basketball. They go nuts during the playoffs and they're, the one thing that was missing from this playoffs was home court advantage. It's a real thing. Uh, it swings series, right? Like a team can go down to, Oh, bring it back home, tie it up. Like that happens all the time. We've seen it happen in basketball. Uh, and I think the, the series for the Celtics goes totally different if they can get some games at the TD garden uh, and, and get their home crowd and take momentum of that series. Without those things, it's hard to say what could have happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you that in the finals, it's a big deal too. Um, momentum shifts, things like that don't happen without the crowd there. Uh, yeah. It might, but it's not in the same sense. And just, again, even the fans watching, just the entertainment value, it fell a little bit flat for me. Uh, anyway, baseball, I know you're not a baseball guy, but I was pretty pumped. Wednesday night, I went to bed. The Yanks were down 9-8. I woke up in the morning. They ended up winning 10-9. So they advance. They're playing Tampa Bay down here. Well, they're not they're playing down here. They're playing in San Diego next week. So Yanks raise. I'm very pumped about that. Those are two teams, divisional rivals that don't like each other. But again, I know you're not much of a baseball guy, so I'll move on from that. But I did want to throw it out there. Do got a football thing for you of note that I found interesting. Earl Thomas. Houston, he was supposed to work out for Houston. I remember Adam Schefter earlier in the week talking about a deal would be more likely than not. And then Houston changed course and decided that he wasn't a good fit. And I'm thinking to myself, yo, when you're an 0-3 football team, your season's on the brink. And you don't think that a surefire Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame talent is a good fit? That's got to probably be a wrap on Earl Thomas's career, don't you think? Yeah, I don't think things look good for him. If he can't be a fit culturally in Baltimore um, and found, fought his way out of there, uh, he's got problems. I mean, Seattle and Baltimore are two of the most consistent teams. And Seattle has taken a ton of chances on guys with egos and attitudes and suspension problems and guys come in and they do their job. They don't have major issues. 
Baltimore has had some guys with problems in the past and they just kind of churn it out. Uh, I don't know. It, it sounds like the there's a big ego problem with him. And here's the thing, man, like talent gets you so far and talent can push a lot of things to the side. But at some point you get to a certain age and your talent starts to decrease where you just got to shut up and come in and play football, man. And he might be beyond that. And that even if he says, Hey, I'm going to come in and do all the right things. There might be too much out there in league circles that say, you know what? This isn't worth it. Yeah. I do. Dallas didn't show interest in him. And there was all kinds of rumors that he would end up in Dallas. And they said, no, no thanks. So yeah. And Jerry's not scared to, go with people with a little bit of trouble in their past. And he's clearly all in to try to get this. He wants a ring, man. And he'll seems like he'll do whatever it takes. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contending team, but I think that he's trying to put as many pieces on the field to be that. So I was surprised that even they said, no, thanks. Yeah. One more thing. Then we'll get to some Bills stuff. Um, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, that game got postponed. First one this year that's COVID related. We knew sooner or later. It was going to happen from a Buffalo Bills standpoint. Tennessee's not want to buy, although I don't think they care about that. You know, why do so many people, and I notice this on social media, and this is why it can be a cesspool at time. Yeah. People are going through scares right now, man. There's COVID going around that organization. Maybe families at home, they don't know right now. Who knows? Right. You know, in, in terms of how it's going to affect the Bills for the next week, if this seems coming off a buy. Who gives a shit, man? Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of crazy to see fans. I get it to an extent because, you know, everyone's a sports analyst in a way on social media. Sure. But I mean, first of all, like I said, we knew this was coming sooner or later. Yeah. It may affect the Bills indirectly a little bit, but, you know, life I comes before football. I won't lie. My f- I was on my way walking my kids to the playground when I saw the news come across my phone. And selfishly, my first reaction was, oh, crap, here we go. The Bills are finally good. All these 17 plus years of my life, this team has been terrible. Finally got a good team that I think can go deep, win a playoff game. This season's going to get pulled from us because that's obviously my first thought. Totally selfish of me. That passed pretty quick and realized this, you know, what is really going on with the situation. And I don't know that a lot of people got past that point. Right. Like you just thought of it, how it affects your team. I don't care if Tennessee has a buy. The NFL was prepared for this. They talked about this. They, the first letter that went out, Goodell said, Hey, we've, our doctors, our team uh, for this has, has been talking about this with all the teams the whole time. There's going to be an outbreak. We are going to have positive tests. We knew that all along. They've built some of that in. I, I heard uh, somewhere that the Super Bowl, they've booked the hotels in Tampa out like a month past because they don't know if the Super Bowl is going to happen on that date because there's going to be these scenarios where they're going to have to reschedule games. They're going to have to do things. I think the NFL's handled it pretty well. I have no problems with how they're doing it. They're keeping them out of the facility, trying to track and trace uh, make sure that everybody's testing still, um, all those things. And we're seeing that uh, we're seeing no tests being positive out of Minnesota. That's a great sign. So they're trying to contain it. I think that's great. I think they're taking it very seriously. Uh, it did, I got I caught some bait on Twitter of people talking about, oh, well, Tennessee's going to get, you know, an extra bye week. And that's unfair to us. And it's like, dude, <laughs> they don't care not, about the bills. Yeah. You are out of your mind if you don't think there's players on the Bills that are watching this super closely. We know Trey was concerned, right? Like he came out and talked about having. Yeah, he almost didn't play this year. Sure. So we 
first and foremost want to make sure that this is in control, contained. I don't even care if this affects that game. You know, this could go into next week uh, with the Titans. We don't know what type of positive test they're going to turn back up all throughout the weekend here and into Monday. Like this could stretch more than a week. Uh, We don't know what it's going to be. And I don't care. What I do care about is that they do keep it contained. Everybody stays healthy. Nobody gets really sick. We heard some of the guys have flu-like symptoms, but we got to understand like these people all have families. They could have grandparents that are high risk, family, you know, wives, kids that are high risk. We don't know what's behind the scenes. There's human beings at, at play here. And there's probably a lot of people in that Titans organization that are scared. They're, they don't, this is not a free bye week to them where they're just hanging out, getting treatments, preparing for the bills. Like, there's a lot going on in that organization right now. They're scrambling to try to contain this and make sure that this isn't an outbreak uh, throughout the whole team that puts them, you know, at, at major health risk. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I could go all day about how crazy of a thing that is to be arguing about the benefits of an extra bye week for a team that just had a COVID outbreak. Let's take a break. I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 Shirts. Over at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. And then bam, that's it. That's a wrap for that shirt. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt sold, they make a donation to a specific worthy campaign or to a charity each and every single time. Since launching in 2013, their designs and shirts have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. That number grows literally daily. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look good on you. I have several myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com. And see what cause need you this week. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One Buffalo Podcast. Dude, I have just started literally today drinking tons of water. My wife's been yelling at me forever. Stop drinking so much soda. I drink like a two liter of soda a day. It's disgusting. And I'm finally starting to drink a lot of water. And I feel better already. But I, I can't go 15 minutes without having to go to the bathroom. I was like, there's no way I'm making it through an hour with you. So, God, man, does, I don't, do you drink a lot of water? Does, yeah, does, I drink a ton of water. So I... Uh, you get used to it? Well, no. Uh, and I'm told you do. When While well, I was getting off of Twitter uh, during my you know sabbatical from all that, I passed kidney stones. Uh, they were terrible. Mm. It was... I don't recommend anyone doing it if you can avoid it uh and hopefully i don't get any more they're saying i'm at high risk to get more uh coming up but doctor's orders were to just drink a ton of water and i got a test coming up here this month and he said drink water at least till then and i've been drinking every day tons of water big giant bottles and i am peeing all the time just powerful like i can't even hold it the type of pee that makes your teeth You know what I mean? When you're just like grinding your teeth to pee, if you can't get it, uh, get to a bathroom and, uh, it's, it's terrible, but I I'll tell you right now, man, do you feel better? I feel a hundred times better. And 
when you hydrate regularly, uh, one thing I've noticed, because I've gone through phases of drinking a lot of water and then and taking time off from it. But when you hydrate regularly, when you are dehydrated or when you like don't have a day where you drink a lot of water, you notice the difference much more. Say after like 30 days of drinking the right amount of water, if you take like two days off or don't get your enough water, you'll, I at least really feel uh, the lack of hydration once I've been fully hydrated for so many days. So there's something to it. I, I definitely feel a lot better when I'm constantly drinking water. Do you feel less bloated? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I lost weight right away. I, I felt less bloated. Um, you know, uh, if I don't drink enough water, I get real like lightheaded, almost dizzy, just don't feel good. Um, there's, there's something to it for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think you should keep it up, man. Just get, uh, get over to. the pee and it's, <laughs> It's not that I had, it's good I for you. A, You'll end up like me and getting kidney stones if you don't, uh, you know, <laughs> rinse your kidneys and stuff. I I have a weak bladder to begin with, so I know I'm screwed. But at the same time, it's not that I, I'm not quote unquote fat, or I'm not heavy. I should say I'm not really heavy, but it's like I got a small frame, but I got a big gut and fat face. And I've been told time and time again, I'm like I'm eating better. I'm walking a ton. Like I have COPD, so I can't run anymore. So I walk. I walk like 10,000 steps or more every day, but I haven't really been losing much because again, I'm still putting it away. I don't care if it's Coke Zero or not. It's still at the end of the day, there's bullshit stuff in there. You shouldn't be drinking a lot of it. Certainly not a two liter a day and I never drink water. So I'm told that if I drink water consistently, I'll feel less bloated and oh, yeah. it'll, the it'll definitely help me lose my gut a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The sugar is terrible for blood. So Drew from Rockpile Report was killing me. My wife had us that doing this funny. liquid detox the other week uh, and it was like three days, just liquids, natural sugars only, no other sugars, just water and all these other like shakes and stuff like that. Part of most of it was terrible, like kale shakes and stuff like it was pretty gross. But I'll tell you, dude, I dropped like eight, nine pounds in three days. All the bloating in my body went away. Like my pants were fitting the right way. I Some pants weren't even fitting, shirts that I couldn't fit into. And it was all just removing the sugars and, and all the bad stuff out of my body. But then Bill Sunday came and I drank like four beers and ate a <laughs> crap ton of wings and stuff. And, 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 <laughs> and you're a fancy, fancy, dancy craft beer guy too, aren't oh, you? Those are loaded, you yeah. You don't drink the shitty domestic cheap ass light bears, man. You're one of those fancy pants. Beer yeah. I've seen a lot of your shit on, on tour in the past. That dude drew is pretty funny, by the way, from rock power report. I got to get him on my show one of these days and have a, a conversation with him. Um, or so anyway, last week's game, I don't want to really talk about the game, but, this is a tape podcast. If I screw up, I could just do it over again. Or I can edit something out. I still might edit out the Donald Trump portion of this podcast. That remains to be seen. If you don't hear it, trust me, you'll be happy. But anyway, here's my point. Last week, that game was like a legitimate nail biter. It was a blowout. So you're sitting there, you and Greg, you guys went on not long after the game, correct? Yeah. So we go, I mean, where I'm setting up as the, if like, you know, the bill's going to win. I kind of get out of there early and start setting up. But yeah, we go pretty much like 15, 20 minutes after the game. Um, yeah. Th- so you're sitting there for two and a half quarters and you start to get, it's kind of like a sports writer who covers the game in the press box and they start to put the story together in their mind and they start to put some notes down and they start to write the story when it seems like the game is definitely going one way. Right. So you got your mindset this way, talking about how impressive the bills have looked and this and that. And then that shit flipped. And I mean, again, not to relive last week's game, but it got bad. 
And then it came down to the last drive and it was a nail biter. And I remember thinking in my mind at that time, I'm like, man, I am really glad that I don't have a show right after this game because I'm kind of shook right now. Right. I'm triggered and I'm shook. I don't know how I would act if I had to be live just minutes after this game because I thought they were going to blow them out. Then I thought they were going to lose. And then Josh Allen takes them down. They score at the end of the game with 15 seconds left. You have a little bit of a, I don't say a tough time, but you had to check yourself a little bit to be able to keep your composure, keep a little bit of, of, of calm and collectiveness when you're going on and doing a live show. Was that a little bit more difficult than normal last week? There's been, so, I mean, doing live anyway has some level of difficulty to it. And you don't, like you said, I, d- I don't have a chance to do edits, right? So when I mess up, uh, like I, I kept calling uh, Cam Lewis, Cam Phillips a few weeks back, and I can't go back and edit that, right? And that's stuck out there. And then I got some trolls on YouTube just telling me I'm an idiot yeah. uh, for a week. So there's a level of that. You got to watch the cussing uh, on our podcast. We don't really swear much so you got to watch that live you got to you know watch the ums and the thoughts you got to be kind of try to stay quick on your feet and stay in a, a good conversation with another person so there's all those already things that exist that make live a little difficult i think greg and i like it though i think that's our preferred way to do a show uh, but yeah when you add this and so there's been some weird games moments so i've had ones where um, I'm not going to call anyone out, uh, but old, uh, people that used to do the show with me would bail on me. Uh, there was a couple of times after tough losses where I would get a message that was like, I'm not coming on tonight. And then I was stuck <laughs> doing a live show by myself. Uh, yeah. that's tough. Luckily we have a good following and there's the chat room and those guys kind of helped me carry the show on, but do, definitely after every loss is really difficult to then get on. Cause I, I'm still a super bills fan at the end of the day. Like I, I play this, whatever fake analyst role on the internet, but I'm still a fan. Like that's why I sure. do this. And the losses bother me. They stay with me throughout the week. So this one would have been harder though. This one would have been tough. The blown. And I was thinking about it as I was like, Oh, I really don't want to go on and talk about this. Uh, but you do it anyway. The nice thing is Greg's there for me. The chat's there for me. But I won't lie, man. When I got on, I was still shaking. Uh, yeah. When we logged on, we, I was still, my nerves, everything was all still jittery. Uh, when I logged on, Greg was already in the room for StreamYard and I could hear him breathing heavy. Uh, we we're both just like, <laughs> oh my God. But you know what? The fun part about that and doing it live is I think the first 15 minutes of the show were just us kind of letting out emotion uh, and getting chat going with the fans uh and and not jumping right into the analysis of the game and luckily we take notes during the game and the way i take notes allows me to kind of read through that as i'm going so i don't forget a lot of things right um you do though you know and you're get you get put on the spot there's definitely a lot of times where i'll say something about the game that i thought i remembered in a certain way but then when i start watching it back i'm like oh i said the dumb wrong thing because i didn't get time to prepare where i think a lot of the other podcasts have a day or two to prepare before they give their thoughts and a couple chances to watch where they can give more of a thought out notes taken thought. So there, there's definitely some challenges to it, but I thought, you know, this last game because of the way it ended and there were so many different things to talk about the interception and the DPI, whether or not that was a call, there's so many fun things to talk about and your emotions were up. I actually, this was one of the more fun shows I had. And obviously with a win like that, we got a ton of burn both live and afterwards sure. in the comments. So, that makes it all totally worth doing all that stuff. But 
uh, I think the worst show I probably ever did was that uh, Thursday night beating we took uh, from the Jets. And I went on, but that was one of the ones where I went on by myself. And it's like 1130 at night after a long night of just getting beat and you're, you you got to go on by yourself and talk about your team just sucking and blowing it on national TV. Like there's nothing worse than that. Anybody who has a podcast or a radio show or even covers a team who says they don't care who wins the game is lying. I promise you that they want their team to win. Yes. Because people want to hear Bills talk when they win. When I listen, even before podcasting, if the Bills won on Sunday, you couldn't get me off WGR on Monday. I wanted to hear every single thing in the world. When the Bills would lose on Sunday, you couldn't pay me to listen to sports talk radio because I wanted to forget about it. So I don't believe anybody who says or tries to say that they don't care. You know, funny thing about Greg, your your partner on, on the podcast. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, Greg was on my show the first day of free agency. You were kind of on your Twitter sabbatical at the time. And again, your show's live. My show's not. It's taped. However, we were taping that on a Monday night. And while we were taping... Stefan Diggs, the trade went down. I heard, And yeah. Greg, who's very cool and very calm all the time, he got excited. You could see the fanboy in him momentarily come out like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, this trade just went down. He started reacting. He started, he he wasn't Greg Thompson, the podcaster. He became Greg Thompson, Buffalo Bills fan real quick because yeah. he had no idea it was coming. It was in the middle of the conversation. That was a, that was a lot of fun. But and anyway. That, what uh, I will say, and what I give a ton, I, I know I'm tough on some of the beat guys in the past and stuff like well, what I will say is that's a job I can never do is be up in a press box because you can't cheer for your team, right? Yeah, you, you, cannot, you can have nope. no rooting interest. You're supposed to just be there as a bot you know, an unbiased spectator. I can never do that, man. I am in full fan mode until the game goes on. And even a lot of people say I'm still a Homer fan uh during the show, but I could never just sit in a press box live at my stadium watching my team do well and just sit there and not cheer my ass right off. i couldn't absolutely do it. i i've been in press box many times and yeah you're there's zero cheering now look if you're writing for the buffalo news or sports illustrated or espn or whatever then yeah i mean those guys tend to be a little more neutral but when you have cover one buffalo podcast or talk buffalo podcast or the bruce exclusive or buffalo fanatics any of these guys we all know Shout Buffalo podcast. People tune in more when when the team's good, when there's fun things to talk about. There's no question about that. And they're good right now. And the biggest reason is Josh Allen, AFC player of the month. Uh, first offensive player for the Bills since Fitzy back in 2016 to win it. Only the third time this century. Drew Bledsoe won it in 2002. Uh, first overall Bill to win it since Jordan Poyer won defensive player of the month in 2017. Uh, Again, we don't need to talk about this game specifically, but just your thoughts on Josh Allen right now through three games because some people thought he would be good. Some people thought he might be more than good. Some people thought he was going to be a bust. But, I mean, this dude's playing elite right now, man. What, what are your thoughts on him through three games? Yeah, I think I love it. <laughs> I mean, he's How could you not? I, that's such a rhetorical question. I, I know that. Yeah, no, but uh, I don't know that it's sustainable. I will say that. I don't know that this type of play is going to be sustainable long-term, but I think a lot of the credit that isn't being talked about enough is credit to Brian Dable and the job that he's done. And I think, uh, you know, we, we talk about Brandon Bean a lot and Sean McDermott, definitely a lot of credit also goes to those guys building this the right way. I mean, uh, 
you look at some of these other quarterbacks I've heard these other conversations with these young guys I don't know that it's that they're not good or that they couldn't be successful even Josh Rosen like people talk about him being having been the most pro ready in that draft and uh whether or not he will ever be successful in this league I don't know but I think a lot of why Josh Allen and even a Lamar Jackson are successful is the organizations they ended up at and the coaches that they had and the talent that was put around him by the GMs. And I think out of even, you know, Lamar's had success and obviously winning the MVP and, you know, he, he's put up big numbers, but I think out of all the quarterbacks, the best situation that a quarterback got into is Josh Allen coming to Buffalo. I think they've put the entire organization. I know you had issues with the backup quarterback situation going into the season. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you that that is a legitimate issue, but even that role is to be Josh Allen's best friend. Like Matt Barkley and Josh Allen are your best friends. It doesn't push Josh Allen anyway. Every single thing in that Buffalo Bills building has been, one Bills drive has been dead set on getting Josh Allen to be productive and to succeed. And he's done it now. It's year three. And I, I don't know that he'll do it for the entire season, but at least this first month of football He's done it at a level that very few other guys right now in the NFL are doing it at. I mean, the top guys in the world, the Russell Wilsons, Aaron Rodgers, he's right there on par with these guys through a month of football. The sample size is starting to grow here. Uh, I I think going into the Raiders game here that he has another chance uh, to have a really big game this week, and people are going to go nuts when he does that. So uh, I think it's great, but I think it's a testament not just to Josh, but to the entire organization. And Brian Dable needs to get a lot more credit than he's getting right now for what he's done. Yeah, I, listen, I agree. I love the job that Brian Dable's done. I think he's absolutely going to be a front runner for an NFL head coach. You know, I heard some people on social media and, you know, just some casual Bills fans are. I think I had a comment at some point earlier in the Rams game, maybe it was on Facebook about, you know, enjoy this right now because Brian Dable ain't going to be here next year. He's going to be head coach somewhere. And people kept talking about, nah, he'll get some money. He'll get a raise and he loves the area. Yeah, I'm sure he does love Sounds good, the area but... from West Attica, but you know what else he loves? One of the 32 jobs in the world being an NFL head coach, probably a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely think that time is coming. Yeah. This office just looks so good. Yeah. And I mean, Greg and I talk about that all the time with people argue us all the time. Like, look, there's 32 jobs of that in the world being an NFL head coach. Maybe what, three to five of them are available on any given year. You're a hot coaching candidate. Mo- most guys are a hot coaching candidate for what, two years? Your name's hot. And then, yeah. you know, other guys come up and, and you kind of fall by the wayside. Look, Leslie Frazier, you know, he can't even get interviews. So, if you get an interview and get an offer, I don't know that Brian Dable is going to be the number one hot coaching candidate, but he's going to be a guy interviewing for be. these jobs. Uh, and if he gets an offer, he's going to take it. There's no, there's no offer the Bagulas are going to make him that are going to pay him higher than what he's going to make as a head coach. Uh, they're not going to pay him more than they pay Sean McDermott. That's ridiculous. Uh, they're not even going to pay him comparable to what they would pay Sean McDermott. So I, none of that's going to happen in my opinion. The only way he's back is if some college coach that we don't know about right now becomes kind of a hot candidate out of nowhere, or, you know, maybe not as many jobs open up as we think are going to open up. That That's it. That's only we, we hope and pray that the talk that Ian Rappaport was saying where Adam Gase's job is safe uh, is true. And hopefully the Jets make a dumb decision to keep him for another year. And that isn't an open job this year. And, you know, we somehow managed to keep Dable because only two, three jobs open up and he doesn't get any of those. But I think he's, it's more likely than not. He's definitely gone. If he gets an offer, he's not staying because he likes Buffalo. Right. And I definitely think at this rate, he's going to be a front runner somewhere. And I'll tell you this much. 
I can't remember. Now, granted, two of the three opponents weren't the best. We know that. But I can remember watching a stretch of Bills football where I've seen more guys wide open or more play designs that just look brilliant than the play calling I've seen these first three games. Now, of course, the execution matters too. You got to execute. And that's the thing. Josh Allen, the touch for the most part has been there. He's just been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. An early season NFL MVP. I mean, let's pump the brakes, bro. It's three weeks. Sure. But he deserves it. Yeah. Okay. He deserves it right now. So let's get back to the original thing here, the exercise. So sure. like I said, if you're an NFL GM right now, okay, and you're going to be an expansion NFL GM, I should say, my bad. And there's going to be a draft, an expansion draft. And you're going to get the first pick. Um, and no quarterback around the NFL is protected. Roger right. Goodell says, nobody, you cannot protect your quarterback. Uh, where would Josh Allen rank on your big board? Like if you were making a big board right now, right. where would he rank? All right. So could we talk it out a little bit? Here? Absolutely. I want um, to talk this out. This is going to be an exercise. Yeah. So, and we talked a little bit offline about this, right? Like the Tom Brady's and Drew Brees of the world don't make sense because you're talking about building for the future. Right. And I, right, I don't absolutely. even know that they're even all that good for this year, especially Big right Ben. Now. Yeah. Guys like him, this is not about, you got to go out and win a game on Sunday. This is not even, this is just for one season only. This is right. for this season, but this is for this season and the foreseeable future of your franchise, your new yeah. expansion franchise. So, so yes. a tough one for me still, and it's one we talked about, is Aaron Rodgers, uh, because I think he's still one of the top three in the world at what he does. And I don't know sure. how much longevity he, that he could fall off the cliff at the second half of the season. I don't know. Very he's fair. at that or age be, where rub. it could happen or. at any point, and he falls off the cliff. Time's undefeated. But he could go for another three years. We don't know. Absolutely. Yep. That, that's a tough one for me. So, But I'll, I'll kind of discard him for now. I think easily right now, if I'm picking, and this might not be for everybody, I think a lot of people would put Patrick Mahomes number one. I would take Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is the number one best quarterback in the world right now, and he has many years left of playing at uh, you know the number one best guy in the world that at what he does level. So I would take Russell Wilson, uh, and he has all the experience in the world, all the, the games under his belt. Patrick Mahomes is right there, but Patrick Mahomes still does do a lot of the stuff that people are frustrated with Josh Allen. He just has had way more talent, way more experience up to this point where, you know, when he makes those crazy throws, people just chalk it up as, oh, that's not really who he is. We know who he is, right? Um, Russ doesn't have that. Like almost every play I see from Russell Wilson is nearly perfect. You know, like people talk about Josh Allen being in the MVP race to me. Yeah, I guess he's in the consideration a month in, but he's not that close to Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Agreed. I agree with you. Um, and then I would put Patrick Mahomes second. I think it's hard not to deny that talent. Um, and the age, he's so young and so talented. I, and I do think at this point, I think maybe early on here at the start of his career, you could say that a lot of his success was due to being with Andy Reid in that offense. But I think now at this point, uh, with the experience he had and the, the tape that he's put out there, I think you could throw him on any NFL roster and he's going to improve that team a hundred percent. You know, he might not be a Super Bowl contender, but he, he's a guy you're rocking with in the NFL. He's seen enough defenses. Like he's a legitimate guy in any uh, system, in any team. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that they, you got at least two there that are ahead. I think there's a good argument that I would take Kyler Murray ahead of Josh Allen. Uh, he isn't having the season right now that Josh Allen is having, but I do think he has 
better touch are already built in. Uh, he's a, a full year behind Josh and uh, snaps in the NFL. Um, his team has, was not very good last year. He's got a much better team this year. He's a safer player uh, than Josh Allen. He's not as reckless. So I, I think I've definitely probably put Murray ahead. Uh, and then there's three guys that I think where Josh Allen really falls in with me for long-term young quarterbacks. And I, I, I put this group kind of almost as a coin flip and it's Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. And I think they all, there's arguments that you could be made for really any one of those guys to be ahead of the other because there's, they're such different prospects, but yeah. I, I, so let's talk that out. I, I, do you have any guys else that, that you think should be ahead of Allen at this point? Um, I got one other guy in the list. Uh, I have, and, and then we'll get back to yours. So I agreed with you about, I agree with you a hundred percent about Brady and Breeze and Big Ben. And I do agree about Aaron Rodgers, although Aaron Rodgers potentially could still be good for another three years. He could. And if you're going to play at his level that he's playing right now for another three years, Whew, they if better you, win if a you're Super just Bowl starting a franchise, you might want to consider that guy if you're going to get that kind of play for three years, but that's too iffy. Um, so I, I wouldn't go with any of them. Then I had a group of, of guys that are close, but I just think that Josh Allen is a little better than or guys that I would want. I want Josh Allen before these guys. And two of them are guys that he was drafted with for sure. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I do at this point think Josh Allen's the better quarterback than any of those three. Now yeah. I'm saying that in fairness to Sam Darnold, man, that dude has been dealt a shitty hand. Yeah. Okay. He's got nothing in New York, and I feel terrible for him for that reason. Baker Mayfield, you know, the coaching's been an issue, but the talent that he's got around him has not been. So anyway, I got them too. Carson Wentz, I just don't trust that dude. I know he's one of the better-known quarterbacks, and he's had some, you know, he had an MVP season, caliber season once. And then Jimmy G. I think Josh Allen, I would take him before any of those four. And then I got stuck on Josh Allen and two other guys. One of them you talked about, Kyler Murray. I think that's really close. I really do. And then Jared Goff is the other guy. I like Jared Goff. I don't know how I don't know that I love Jared Goff, but I do like him. And I think if you put him in the right situation, which again, if you have an expansion team, probably not going to be the right situation. You probably have a lot of shitty players. Right. But uh, uh you know, so I, at the end of the day, I had Josh Allen listed above all those guys. But I do have one guy that you didn't mention in that group that you lumped him in. And that's Dak Prescott. Now, yeah. I'm not quite sure where you would put him, but I got Josh Allen. And personally, me, he would be seven, I think. You talked about a lot of them. I, the only difference between mine and yours is I have Mahomes one and Russell Wilson two. I, lo- I love what you said about Russell Wilson. I just think Pat Mahomes is going to end up being the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I really do when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's subjective, of course. But I got them two, one and two. And I don't think it's particularly close between one and two and then three. Then after that, I got Watson three. You mentioned Jory Burrow, which I was a little, I was hopeful you were going to say him. I didn't know if you were going to. I love this kid. I do too. You might, it, it might take a while before he becomes great, you know, with that team, but he's going to be, man. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. I got him ahead of Lamar Jackson because I got Lamar fifth and then six or seven is Dak and, or Josh Allen and flip a coin. That's where I got it. Yeah. And I think. I'm with you there. I think like really Josh could be, if you were saying going to say, put him forth, totally valid argument. I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. this is not a homer take. Sure. I think the, the, the things that you can't quantify are all there to be a guy that leads your franchise. Right. And then now you're starting to think, see the things that you can quantify 
are also showing up, right? And it's, again, small sample size, but uh, he's led winning teams. He's doing all the right things. So I think you could put him there. Um, but in context with some of these other guys, like Deshaun's a baller. And Texans have not done him any favors either, you know, nope. and, and they're not continuing to do him favors. But I think you put him in the right situation. He is right there on the cusp of the, you know, where I had Russ Wilson, Mahomes and Kyler Murray, yeah. right? Like if he's in I Chicago, got Watson three. Okay. Yeah. Put him in Chicago, man. That's a Super Bowl contending team. It's not even close. Um, Joe Burrow is the same. I think we've seen enough flashes early on to see why he was drafted. He's a guy that kind of kept right in college, came out of nowhere. Uh, to be the top prospect. I didn't believe in that. I was like, oh man, this guy came out. He had one good season and now everybody's falling in love with this guy. Let's pump the brakes. I don't know who he is, but he's impressed me right out the gate. And that is a terrible team that he's playing on. Like they're going to be competing again for a number one pick. Uh, It's a really bad time for Cincinnati Bengals fans. If they can turn this around like the Bills did and do a quick kind of, you know, revamp the offensive line, get this kid some weapons, get things going in the right direction in the next two to three years. I think you're going to see him move up a lot of lists like this uh, very quickly. Cause I think he is a special talent, but I, I do think you can lump Allen right in there with those guys. So anywhere between that fourth and seventh is not unreasonable at all. Yeah, I really do. And it's fun. I just, you know, I just let out a little bit of a laugh there because I, I completely agree with you. I got him seven. You got him somewhere right around that seven range. If we had a conversation, we did this five weeks ago. Would either of us, if we were being realistic and true to ourselves, would either of us have said Josh Allen, number seven in this type of exercise? There's no way. No, no, no way. Honestly, at the end of last year, the way he was playing, I was happy with the development that he had. And I assumed that he was going to continue to develop, even though people say quarterbacks don't continue to develop after the first two years, right? We don't see big jumps after that. I, didn't ever really agree with that with Josh Allen because of the context of his career, right? Like limited number of snaps, wasn't an elite, you know, any of those QB elite camps was not, uh, you know, he was playing in Juco. Wyoming sucked. That's a terrible place to go to school and play at. Uh, he had limited snaps there, no talent to play with. So the context of Josh Allen's maturation and growth was going to be different than most quarterbacks was going to be. And he, I assumed would, you know, as long as they had a good organization here in Buffalo would continue to develop. I didn't see the Trump being maybe this big that we're seeing this year. So I would have taken a lot, number of quarterbacks over Josh Allen at the end of last year. Um, and I even said it on Twitter at one point that if it was just for 2020, like if I knew the bills roster was so stacked that they could win a championship, but quarterback was the only question that at the end of last year, I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick over Josh Allen. People were killing me, uh, but it was just because of Josh Allen's such chaotic play. And I I'd rather have, you know, a guy that's seen it all. And, you know, I know Fitz can be pretty chaotic as well, but as of late Fitz has also, you know, shown that he's kind of changed some of that narrative uh, for himself over time, but people killed me over that. But I thought Josh was a lot closer to the bottom, you know, 20 passers in the league than he was to the top seven. Right. Yeah. I, I think a month ago we might've had a conversation. If I would have said a month into the season, what are Patrick and Aaron going to be talking about? I think I would have put more money on saying, is Josh Allen going to be worth the next contract yeah. that he's going to get potentially as early as next March? Because he can't, even if they agreed today, he can't sign an extension until next March. Right. I think we would have been more likely to talk about that 
as opposed to favorably in some cases comparing Josh Allen to guys like Dak Prescott or uh, or Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff or even Kyler Murray. Right. It's just crazy how much he's turned things around. It's a lot of fun, man. It's going to be. I I was Greg and I talked about it a ton that to me it was uh you know halfway through 2020 we would know who Josh Allen is finally and then that would be like you said are we gonna you know pick up his option or are we gonna go in a different direction because all the other pieces are there and they got to make that decision here in 2020 what they're going to do moving forward because you don't have a whole lot more time and now already three weeks into the season that's not even on the table for me Josh Allen's going to get a big contract coming up from the Buffalo Bills he's going to be the Buffalo Bills long-term quarterback uh and it's crazy that only three games has changed that narrative so much but I I feel really confident in saying uh that he's going to get a big contract he's going to be a Buffalo Bill for a long time yeah, I, I listen, I couldn't agree more. I'm not ready to say the guy's an MVP no, no. candidate after 16 weeks. I'm not ready to say that he's going to be the the second best quarterback in the history of the franchise. Certainly looks that way right now. But I am ready to say this. I am ready to say this is our quarterback. This guy's not going anywhere. This guy's going to be the Buffalo Bills quarterback for the foreseeable future. And fans, even the ones who didn't want him initially, they've come around as they should. Yeah, what better way to go out and win fans over than by playing well? Not talking about it, being about it. You know, this guy's going out, he's making plays. He's winning fans over, he's winning haters over. National people are even starting to apologize some, not all, because, you know, they got to get their clicks and stuff like that. But it's just, it it really is, it's fun to see. One last question, then I'm going to let you go. And it's got nothing to do necessarily with just Josh Allen. But during that game, I don't know if you caught halftime or if you got up and did some stuff during halftime, but. During the halftime show, and I asked Joe Yurden on Tuesday show the same question. Michael Strahan was talking uh, with the guys in, in the booth, and um, or at the studio, I should say. And he said something that really resonated with me. He talked about the Bills, and he said, this is a team that really enjoys playing with each other. And that matters. Do you think that matters? Yeah. Now, when I had Joe on the show on Tuesday, he was like lukewarm about it, which I disagreed with. I, I don't agree with him, but... He says it's about winning. If you're winning, you're happy. If you're not, you don't stay happy. I don't know, man. This does seem like a team that really, really likes playing with each other. Yeah, no, I think it all matters. I'm 100% on the culture matters. uh, Chemistry. Train, chemistry matters. I think the Bills, and for all the guff that uh, Pagulas get, and I think maybe for Joe, some of that's tied into the hockey side of things, right? Because everybody talks about the losing culture and that all that's going to fix it is winning and then everything will be fine over in the Sabres. They just got to start winning. But I do think that the foundation of how you start winning matters a lot and it's bringing in the right people. It's knowing which people are those right people. It's the little things that we hear from players when they come here in free agency that uh, people within the Bills organization reach out to their spouse to make sure that they're, you know, help, don't need help finding a home or they're getting welcome things. We saw Isaiah Hodgins' kid get a, uh, you know, they sent him a ball to congratulate him with the Bills logo and all that. It's the little things like that where I think, you know, we hear stories of Sean McDermott every offseason having these guys talk about who they are, some of their life situations, their families. And you hear Bills players a lot of times talk about loving their teammates and they talk about love openly uh, and, and wanting to go to battle for these guys. I think all that stuff really does matter. And 
I agree with Joe. Like, yeah, it's nice when it's winning and everything's sunny and, and all that. But I think it even comes through more in the things Sean McDermott talks about when you talk about it's a marathon season. There's going to be adversity. There was adversity in the game last week, right? Uh, there's adversity within the games. There's adversity adversity within the seasons. And I think when you love the people you're around all the time and you want to, you don't want to let those people down, not only yourself. I think when you do have those hardships during the season or facing adversity, I think it's easier to stay together and keep that team together and, and write the ship when you have that culture embedded within it and everybody does enjoy being around each other and playing for each other and, and likes the coaches. I think all that stuff matters when ultimately we know the bills are going to face adversity when you, they have some touch tough stretches coming up on the schedule where they're not the best team. Uh, on the field that they're going to be playing. And and I think it matters to have the right culture in place for when you go through those tough times that it doesn't all fall apart and the team totally caves and becomes a losing team, which we've seen with the Sabres before and we've seen with the Bills before where they just didn't have the culture in place. When things got tough, it just falls apart. I think that they've done the right job uh, and that these guys truly do feel that way. I don't think it's just a matter of, hey, we're winning now, so I like everybody on the team. I'm sure at some point, they're going to have a player where there's a losing streak and somebody says something they shouldn't, uh, that's not going to all be gravy all the time. But I think for the most part, all that stuff's pretty authentic. I really, I really don't think it's just total PR BS. Like a lot of fans think, I think it's authentic. And I think they've spent a lot of time building that. Yeah, I completely agree with you hundred percent. By the way, as, as we wrap up this segment, taping this late into a, to a Thursday evening, the New York Jets, man. Sam Darnold just I hurt his shoulder, it. and uh, Joe Flacco is in the game playing against the Denver Broncos. Oh boy, oh boy. Anyway, all right, yo, follow Aaron on Twitter because he is back there at Aaron Quinn seven one six. Check out the podcast. So you guys are doing a show immediately after the game on Sundays or whenever the hell the Bills are playing because they are a primetime team now. They're not all Sunday afternoons anymore. And you guys also do a preview show during the week, and you usually have a guest on for that. A lot of fun, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, by the way, you know what? I always pat you on the back. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think I was really good today. I thought you did a really good job. I always love coming on your show, man. I'm not going to lie. I don't do a lot of other shows, but whenever you ask me, I, it's just always a good conversation. I think I'm going to pat you on the back. I think you might be the best conversationalist in the business. Uh, uh, keeping, a, keeping a conversation going. Uh, interesting topics. You, you always get me to talk about something that isn't specifically to the, you know, I go on when I do go on other shows, it's always the same thing I'm talking about on my show anyway. And uh, so it's nice to go on a show where, you know, people challenge you with some other things and you always keep that conversation flowing. Cause sometimes we go for a while and, and it doesn't feel, you know, when we wrap up, it feels like I was just talking to a friend. So it's always a good time. I think you're really good at what you do, man. All right, before I get out of here, call it a wrap for this episode. I'm going to fly through Pat's Picks. This is a weekly segment that I'm doing on Fridays on the show. Every NFL game against the point spread I'm picking, with the exception of Thursday night games, because I'm taping this on Thursdays, and you're already hearing this by Friday morning. So I decided to skip Thursday night games this year. Of course, because of COVID, there is no Tennessee-Pittsburgh game this week, so we only got 14 instead of 15 Pretty good through the first three weeks. 10 games over 500, 27, 17, and 1. To be fair, I did stumble a little bit last week. 7 and 8 against the spread. Let's see if I could uh, do a little better this week. So anyway, not going to waste a lot of time. I want to get out of here pretty quickly. I'll fly through some of these. 
I'm going to go Carolina plus three and a half at home over Arizona. It's not that I don't think Arizona is a good team. I'm just waiting for them to stumble at some point, And I feel like this could be the week. Carolina at home. Why not? Take it. To, I'll take the points. Uh, Washington, speaking of taking the points, I'm going to take Washington plus 13 at home against Baltimore. Baltimore is coming off a short week. Washington has played some pretty decent football early on. So 13 points is a lot. I'm going to take the skins plus the points. I'm going to take Dallas minus four and a half over the Cleveland Browns. I just don't think the Browns are for real. I think they can beat up on shitty teams and they're not good against better teams. Dallas is looking to win this game. I'll take them. I'm going to take Indy minus two and a half on the road at Chicago. The Chicago Bears, the most fraudulent 3-0 team I've seen in quite a while. I really don't care if Trubinsky or Nick Foles are the quarterback. I'm going to go Indy. I'm going to take Cincy minus three at home over the Jags. I love Joey Burrow. I cannot wait to this team starts to get more talent around him. The Bengals are going to be good. Obviously not this year, maybe not next, but not too far away. That kid's the real deal. I like him a lot. I'm going to take Tampa minus seven and a half at home over the Chargers. I'm still not sold. I've talked about this every week. I'm far from sold on Tampa Bay, but this is a great matchup for him at home against a Chargers defense that is just completely depleted, man. Melvin Ingram, the latest to go down. So I'll take Tampa. Uh, I'm going to take Houston minus four and a half at home over Minnesota. Both these teams, their seasons already are on life support. Houston can't lose. They're at home. They're not going to lose. I'm going to go Saints minus four and a half on the road at Detroit. Drew Brees is getting ripped by the media, by Saints fans left and right. To some extent, deservedly so, but what a great opportunity this is for him to bounce back. Michael Thomas might be back. Definitely like the Saints here. I'm going to take Seattle minus six and a half on the road at Miami, which I got to tell you, it sounds pretty good on paper, but I don't feel great about this game. I don't. Miami's a very weird team, but I'm going to go Seattle here. I'm going to take the Rams minus 12 and a half. Over the New York Giants, the Rams are a good team. We saw that last week in Buffalo. The Giants are not a good team. Simple as that. Uh, I'm going to go New England plus seven on the road over the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know why. I just feel like this game is going to be a one-score game. That's all it is to it. I think Kansas City's probably going to win, but... It's a one-score game in my mind. That's what I keep envisioning. So if that's the case, I got to take the point. So I'll take New England plus seven. Uh, Sunday night football, I'm going to take Philly plus seven on the road at Frisco. Carson Wentz is getting, if you think Drew Drew Brees is getting it bad, holy crap, man. Carson Wentz is getting murdered. He's got to do something. They're bound to play a good game. Frisco, just like... uh, what team was it? I'm thinking off the top, man. I'm kind of going blank here. But anyway, Frisco, just like the Chargers, they're really depleted with some, even worse, with, with injuries. This is a good game for Philly, especially getting seven to cover. So I'll go Philly here. Monday Night Football, I like Green Bay minus seven over Atlanta. Atlanta's blown their season over the last two weeks, blowing those two games, man. It's just so, so inexcusable. They're not going to have to blow this game, though. And that's because they're not going to be up to blow it. I like Green Bay big. Then, of course, well, actually, I got my three locks for the week, too. I do that every week. I pick three locks. I've been two and one all three weeks. So I'm six and four through three. Uh, my locks are the Saints minus four and a half, Cincy minus three, 
in Dallas, minus four and a half. Then, of course, last but not least, I picked against the Bills last week. Almost turned out to be right. Glad I was wrong. This week, I'm going to take Buffalo minus three on the road over the Raiders for one big reason. I don't think the offense, I don't think it's possible for Josh Allen and the offense to quite sustain the level that they played at through three weeks. But I do think they're still going to play reasonably well. The difference in this game is I think after two very bad performances, I think this is the week where the defense really gets their shit together. I think they're going to play a pretty dominant game on the road defensively. Tremaine Edmonds, I expect much better play out of him. Trey White, who frankly hasn't played all that well this year, to be honest with you. I expect him to get a pick. I think this is going to be a very strong game for the Bills defensively. So I like them minus three. All right, folks, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again. My buddy, my man, Aaron Quinn, cover on Buffalo podcast. What a great job he does with Greg Thompson. Love that show. One of my favorite podcasts, video casts out there. They do such great work. Love having Aaron on the show. So thank you very much. Guys, girls, if you have not done so already, please, and actually listen to this, because I know I say it every week, please go ahead and actually subscribe to this podcast and also take a quick minute, rate and review the show. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. You can find us, of course, on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, literally all of them. So do that. Also check us out on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. I have highlight clips from current and past episodes up really soon. And I know I've been saying this forever, but soon I am going to start having some original content that you're only going to get on that channel. You won't hear it anywhere else, not even this podcast. I am starting the process of putting together some video stuff too as well. So make sure you subscribe there. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I am always on Twitter. Podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, banner with some sports fans, always throwing up some stupid polls. I just, I love Twitter. I really do. I admit it. I'm not a shame, man. I'm a Twitter guy. So hit me up there at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I mean it. I really do. There's so many great shows out there. Aaron Quinn, our guest today, is a part of one of them. I could go on and on just with Buffalo stuff. Forget national stuff, just Buffalo stuff alone. So when you're locked in and you're giving yourself time to listen to this show, man, that really means a lot to me. I don't take it lightly at all. I promise you that. I do not take it for granted. So thank you very, very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Do what the government is telling you to do. Enjoy the football game. Hopefully, we'll be talking next Tuesday about the 4-0 Buffalo Bills. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.